Some people have a calling in life. To be an actor, a doctor, a politician, a writer. But for Ed and Lorraine Warren, their calling was to be the world's leading experts in paranormal hauntings. Ed Warren was a former soldier and a self-proclaimed demonologist, and his wife Lorraine claimed to be a clairvoyant and a medium. Together they founded the New England Society for Psychic Research in 1952 and became real-life ghostbusters, for lack of a better word. Their extensive investigations into such cases as Annabelle the Doll, the Enfield Poltergeist, and the Amityville Horror made them famous in certain circles, even among skeptics who worked tirelessly to prove that their life's work was pure nonsense. In 2013, acclaimed horror director James Wan adapted one of their most terrifying cases into a film that achieved great critical acclaim and sparked a franchise that has since become one of the most successful in horror history. With the seventh film in that franchise set to hit theaters this Friday, I can think of no better time than to dig into the mystery and history behind Ed and Lorraine Warren and The Conjuring. Annabelle Comes Home is set to arrive this weekend, meaning it is finally time to dig into a series of films that are mostly based on true events. Hopefully they're not, but a lot of the Warrens' cases have witness testimony and credible sources. The skeptic in me wants to say it's horseshit, but the geek in me wants to hail the Warrens as heroes who have fought the forces of darkness and lived. So I'm kind of torn. Welcome to Filmgasm, the horror podcast you keep coming back to because it's too much fun to stay away for long. I'm Connor Zgeri, your crypt keeper, your mad scientist, your immortal vampiric count, and your host for the evening. I'm joined by my valued colleague Austin Johnson for this How's episode. As I heard, as he heard, I was doing the Conjuring and simply couldn't contain his excitement. Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free to visit filmgasm.com for more content, including movie reviews and articles, including Austin's recent top five Paul Thomas Anderson films. Oh yeah. Anything you'd like to say about that? Oh, Paul Thomas Anderson. He's my favorite director ever. Uh, I say, you know, he's the most efficient guy I've ever heard of, like, watched everything he's done, you know, he's eight movies and they're all great, uh, I hope you guys read that and become enlightened, because none of his movies made a lot of money, <laughs> that's unfortunate, not a lot, not enough people have seen any of them, so, <laughs> go check them out, a lot, a, a lot of them are actually on streaming services, so go check out what you can, just search Paul Thomas Anderson on uh, Netflix or Hulu and it'll be right there for you. <laughs> that's true, he's incredibly... Uh, critically acclaimed. I haven't seen as much of his content as I should have, but, you know, with the uh, top five coming out, maybe it's time to finally dive into yeah, that guy. Yeah, he's, he's uh, married to the great Maya Rudolph as yeah, well. Which that's, is so strange. It's fantastic. It? She's one of my favorite. Like, yeah, the most serious ever. person and, like, the least serious person. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. awesome. They got four kids, yeah. They've been, <laughs> they've, they've been married for a long time, yeah. It's that's cool. fantastic. Good I'm stuff. happy for them. Stay tuned for episode 20 in just a few weeks where we'll be talking about the ins and outs of the Godfather trilogy. Mm, yes. Arguably the most acclaimed series of films of all time, Francis Ford Coppola's Baby, and the films that launched the careers of Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. So much to talk about with the production of those three films. I can't wait. It's going to be a blast. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's one you guys want to mark on your calendars there. Oh yeah, that's going to be awesome. And I've got a quick rewind for you. Last weekend, I saw the Child's Play remake. <laughs> And my assumptions were correct. It was god awful. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, anyone I've yeah like heard or you know that yeah. I respect has said yeah it's pretty bad. Chucky's personality was completely gone, replaced by an emotionless robot that was more annoying than scary. The Hollywood machine has officially ate up Don Mancini's horror classic and spat out this watered down millennial Chucky. It's essentially just Alexa with a butcher knife. I gave it a six, and that's only because the kills were pretty inventive. You got a guy get mowed down by a lawnmower. You've got, you know, I think that same guy got his face like sewn onto a watermelon. It's weird, <laughs> but Chucky is terrible. I want the old Chucky back, and that's nothing on Mark Hamill. I mean, he did the best he could with what he had, and he's a great voice actor. I got nothing but respect yeah, for him. Legend, but yeah. That was a shit script, and that movie. It's unfortunate. Man. Is gonna vanish. What's been going on? Do you? What do you think? Because we had the Pet Cemetery kind of flopped a little bit as well. Yeah. These remakes. What? Like what? What's the deal with these? That they're they're not hitting. And why is why was it so good? And why is there such high expectations for it uh, coming in the fall? Well, it. I think that the reason it was so successful is they cared. Yeah, they cared enough about the story, and they cared enough about where it came from to make something 
that still had the spirit of Stephen King's novel. Yeah, but brought still brought something new to the table. Yeah. Pet Cemetery, Stephen King. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Pet Cemetery ignored the novel, tried to do its own thing, failed miserably, and Child's Play took what was the best part of a seven film franchise. Yeah, yeah. and took that out and tried to do Killer Robot. Frustrating. Like you know, it's like doing a Freddy Krueger movie, but you know without Freddy Krueger. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. some asshole in a sweater. It's like horror is you know on the rise, but at the same time we see these these remakes and these kind of rehashed stories that you know we might not need. Also, not, you know what? Unnecessary. You know what I think it is. Let's a get lot more of creative. It. You know, that's what. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I think that people are tired of yeah. the same yeah. old thing. I think Chucky is on his way out. I think you know the Jasons the, and I would have said Michael Myers, but last year's Halloween was so successful because it was something new. It was with the spirit of something old. You got to yeah. have that happy middle, or else oh, very you're much alienate had, so many had that music that was yeah that we're so familiar with, but had you know a little twist, you know yeah yeah. So I think that films like you know, for example, the Conjuring franchise, it's you know it's not doing anything different. It's just taking the things that we've grown accustomed to and doing them. In a smart way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all we want. We don't want to be treated like idiots at the movies. We want to be, you know, we want to see something that we know we're going to enjoy. Yeah, worthwhile. It's rewarding, yeah, yeah as a viewer. Yeah, exactly. For sure, for sure. Yeah. So, Child's Play was a disaster. I was really disappointed. It currently has an IMDb score of 6.5 and a surprisingly high Rotten Tomatoes score of 62%, which is just shy of the original film's score. Yikes. And if you're a fan of the original Chucky, skip it. If you've never even heard of Chucky, maybe you'll get something out of it, but I was not a fan. And that's just, yeah. That's enough for me, yeah. So, The Conjuring. What do you think it is about these films especially that keeps bringing us back to them? Like, why do you think these seven, like, there's seven films in now. Why do you think it's lasted so long? Ah, uh, man. Especially The Conjuring 1 and 2, I think is because of uh, Farmiga and Wilson. Okay. It's like a huge part. A huge part of the rewatchability is how good they are uh, as playing the Warrens. And rest in peace to the Warrens, by the way. Yeah. Uh, or who? Which one? One of them died. Lorraine. Recently. Lorraine. Died recently. Just, yeah, yeah. Died maybe a year ago or something like that. Yeah. April, actually. April. Oh, wow. Recently. Oh wow. And what about him? Ed. Um, I have that later on. Ed died in '06. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Both. Yeah. Of the, you know. I. I just think Patrick and when we look back, Patrick and Vera, <clears throat> like 50 years from now, are going to really, really stand out as playing these two huge characters in the horror. Not only in horror cinematic universe, but real-life horror. And that's so. another thing. James Wan has succeeded in doing something that only Marvel has succeeded in. He's created a cinematic universe that people actually care about. Yes, yeah. And that's amazing. There's like stake, there's, a, there's some stakes to it. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. It's care- like he's made Annabelle the Doll and Valak the Nun <clears throat> and the Warrens pop culture icons in just yeah, a, yeah. in just only six years. That's yeah. really incredible. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and I think, yeah, James Wan, I think, is to credit for this amazing thing. For sure. You know, you see his name, <clears throat> the things that his name is on within this is the stuff that's the best. Uh, yeah. He's directing and he has control of what's going on. That's when the best stuff is. You know, James Wan, you know, Saw. You know, this is the guy we... Insidious. This guy is just a legend in the horror, he knows horror. horror realm. Yeah, he's he's amazing. He's a veteran at this point. Yeah. Uh, and this this to me is his finest work. Is I'd go as far to say that James Wan is the new Wes Craven. Yeah, to me that's fair. Yeah, yeah. I think that's fair. I, I don't yeah. think you can really argue with that. Caleb, I know you're going to listen to this, and I want you to tell me what you think of that because I know you're a huge Wes Craven fan. <laughs> Comparing, <laughs> yeah, James Wan is the new age <laughs> new age Craven. Yeah. So the franchise began in 2013 with The Conjuring. Directed by James Wan and starring Patrick Wilson and Oscar nominee Vera Farmiga as Ed and Lorraine Warren. Farmiga was nominated for her supporting role in 2009's Up in the Air. You may also know her from her role as Norma Bates on the Psycho prequel series Bates Motel that aired from 2013 to 2017. Patrick Wilson is a versatile actor who has appeared in such films as Watchmen, Insidious, Hard Candy, and Aquaman. The first Conjuring adapts the case that the film claims is their darkest, the real-life haunting of the Perrin family in Harrisville, Rhode Island. After experiencing a plethora of dark shit, including moving furniture, a dead dog, and spooky clapping, arguably the scariest scene in the movie, mm-hmm. it's amazing that James Wan can take <laughs> and make it yeah. terrifying. And even, like, I, I, I want to speak on that, because in the theater, 
<clears throat> in the theater after that happened that everybody was like oh my god it kind of clicked right away if you saw it in theaters it clicked with the whole audience that that's our, that's a part of our culture now yeah is, is that and people were doing it in the middle of the movie while the movie's <laughs> going on you're like ah shit you know really cool like a lot of that was a lot of fun the experience with those felt like classic horror like ah you know what's amazing I remember the trailer to this movie, and that was the trailer. That scene was the trailer. Yes. And even though we knew that was coming... Similar was to the hereditary... Yeah. Yeah. That was still the yeah. scariest goddamn scene in the movie. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Ah, so cool. It's all just atmosphere <laughs> and build-up. That's what these movies are. I think the light is very important in that part. Yeah. Uh, when she lights the match, and that's, yeah. all you, that's your only perspective is like, oh my god, I don't know what's going to come out of... And in a theater, when you know, she's chasing the claps... It feels like it's over there, yes. and it's over there. Yes. It feels like it's all around you. You yeah. don't feel safe. Because the theater's dark, and then a huge portion of the screen is dark. Yeah. Except for... <laughs> no, it's really cool, man. Oh, yeah. my God. A lot of fun. Yeah. Or fun. I don't know. <laughs> fun for us, I guess. <laughs> so, after all that shit, Roger and Carolyn Perrin, played in the film by Office Space's Ron Livingston... Hell yeah. ...and American Crime's Lily Taylor... Decided to reach out to the Warrens, who have recently investigated the supposed possession of Annabelle the doll. More on that later. The Warrens take the case and learn that the house once belonged to an accused witch named Bathsheba, who sacrificed her newborn child to the devil and hung herself in 1863 after cursing all who would ever inhabit her land. The Warrens decide the house must be exorcised, which Ed performs in lieu of waiting for the Vatican to approve their request. The film has an IMDb score of 7.5, a Rotten Tomatoes score of 85%. Very good for a horror film. And oh, yeah. I give it an 8, but it's very close to a 9. It's widely celebrated as one of the finest horror films of the decade so far, and well-deserved, it is a masterpiece. Yeah, and I, I, I give it a solid 9 uh, for myself. It's, it's one of the scariest movies made in the last 10 years. And still, you know, I've seen it so many times. Every time I'm like, man, I get I get really, really locked into this one. Yeah. I have a, I have an absolute blast with Bathsheba. I do think Ron Livingston checked in a little bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, well, he yeah. checked in, checked out. He, you know, he was uh, not totally there half the time <laughs> as an actor. But besides that, I, there's, I have no complaints and that's a pretty little nitpick so i think a big part of it is that you know this i want to use i want to say this loosely this may have happened it's a true story yeah 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 like mostly i'm it's very embellished but you know just the idea that this was a case that was investigated this was a real family in rhode island Mm -hmm. that experienced something and it was something dark enough for them to reach out to the country's leading paranormal experts to help them. Yeah. That is intriguing, and that's horrifying because it's a whole other layer of creepy if this could happen. Yes. You know, it's not like, yes. you know, other films, you know, Jason isn't real, you know, Chucky's not real. We know that, yeah. yeah we know this, that for a fact. This is up in the air. still up in the air, which is freaky. Ah, Vera Farmiga, up in the air, yeah. Oh, yeah, nice. <laughs> and uh, I've got a couple film guys and facts for you. Uh, number one, the state of Rhode Island does not require home sellers to disclose documented histories of a location's criminal activity, let alone alleged paranormal and supernatural hauntings, to potential buyers. This is why the parents are unaware of all previous events. Now, I'm only 24 years old. I have not bought a house yet. But if I am in the market, you best be damn sure you're going to tell me if it's haunted. Yeah. That's I'm, that's the first thing Hell on my yeah. list. Would, is that something you're going to ask? Right? Like, yes. Hey, is this, is this Yes, place it haunted? is. <laughs> I've run a horror movie podcast. You bet your ass I'm going to ask you. Yeah, yeah. This place better be holy as fuck. Yeah, yeah. I want this thing consecrated. Yeah. I'm with you on that, man. Yeah, but I don't want Just crazy. Hey, even apartments, man. I don't want no Rosemary's Baby type yeah. situations. Oh, like, God, no. That's even worse. I want everybody in the building vetted before I move in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Horrors ruined me, man. I've never... watched too many movies. <laughs> I, I can't look at people the same way again. <laughs> oh, everyone's a Satanist. But um, I just think it's Satanist. <laughs> I just think it's interesting that the parents bought this house without knowing that someone had died there, even as far back as 1863. I still would want to know that. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's interesting that since then, nobody's had any issues in this house, and. The current owners are pissed that people who love The Conjuring keep showing up, taking pictures of their house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Amityville has the same problem. Yes, of course they do. Yeah, it's a famous house. This is one of the, yeah. And number two. Director James Wan was working on the script one late night. He had just adopted a new puppy, 
who started staring at a supposedly empty side of the room and began to growl aggressively. Juan stated that his dog's head then followed something all across the room, but he did not see anything. Yeah. While he was writing a movie about a real-life haunting. That's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Make of that information what you will, but I'm reading into that shit. Hell yeah. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So, the true story of the parent haunting isn't nearly as cinematic, though Lorraine Warren claims its portrayal in the film was mostly accurate. Which is goddamn horrifying. Very scary. Yeah. And this is the true story, as told by an article I found on allthatsinteresting.com by Katie Serena. She wrote an article on the Perrin haunting and the Enfield haunting, which was the basis for Conjuring 2. In January 1971, the Perrin family moved into a 14-room farmhouse in Harrisville, Rhode Island, where Carolyn, Roger, and their five daughters began to notice strange things happening almost immediately after they moved in. It started small... Carolyn would notice that the broom went missing or seemed to move from place to place on its own. She would hear the sound of something scraping against the kettle in the kitchen when no one was in there. She'd find small piles of dirt in the center of a newly cleaned kitchen floor. The girls began to notice spirits around the house, though for the most part they were harmless. There were a few, however, that were angry. That's too casual a sentence for me. (laughs) The girls began to notice spirits around the house, though for the most part they were harmless. That sounds like a five-year-old wrote that. Like, Yeah. I... (laughs) Very, very, just, mm, that's not, yeah. yeah. There's a ghost over there, but it's not hurting anyone. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, there's, these, there's just these spirits around. Yeah, just around. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. Carolyn allegedly researched the history of the home and discovered that it had been in the same family for eight generations and that many of them had died under mysterious or horrible circumstances. Several of the children had drowned in a nearby creek, one was murdered, and a few of them hanged themselves in the attic. The spirit that was depicted in the film, Bathsheba, was the worst of them all. Whoever the spirit was, she perceived herself to be mistress of the house, and she resented the competition my mother posed for that position, said Andrea Perrin, the oldest of the five girls. It turns out there was actually a real person named Bathsheba Sherman, who lived on the Perrin's property in the mid-1800s. She was rumored to have been a Satanist, and there was evidence that she had been involved in the death of a neighbor's child, though no trial ever took place. She was buried in a nearby Baptist cemetery in downtown Harrisville. Now, I think that she probably wasn't a witch. I think this was some, you know, local, you know, conjecture. And I feel like if she was tried as a witch, she would not have been buried in the Baptist cemetery. Yeah. Yeah. That's some that's that's an interesting fact. Yeah. Yeah. The parents believe that it was Bathsheba's spirit that was tormenting them. I mean, why wouldn't they? It, yeah, yeah. It yeah, crosses yeah. all the No, dots. Yeah, yeah. According to Andrea, the family experienced other spirits as well that smelled like rotting flesh and would cause beds to rise off the floor. Jeez, man. (laughs) She claims her father would enter the basement and feel a cold, stinking presence behind him. They often stayed away from the dirt-floored cellar, but the heating equipment would often fail mysteriously, causing Roger to venture down. Jeez. Serious accusations here. Yeah. What's going on? (laughs) Over the ten years the family lived in the house, the Warrens made multiple trips to investigate. At one point, Lorraine conducted a seance to attempt and to attempt to contact the spirits that were possessing the family. During the seance, Carolyn Perrin became possessed, speaking in tongues and rising from the ground in her chair. Andrea claims to have secretly witnessed the seance. I thought I was going to pass out, Andrea said. My mother began to speak a language not of this world in a voice not her own. Her chair levitated and she was thrown across the room. Though the movie version of events culminates with Ed performing an exorcism rather than a seance, Lorraine insists that she and her husband would never attempt one, as they must be performed by Catholic priests. Which makes sense. I mean, if anybody could get the devil out of you, I feel like it'd be pretty easy to do. (laughs) You you don't have to call the exorcist, you could just go get a Bible and do it yourself. (laughs) The power of Christ compels you. (laughs) Does it? Does it compel me? (laughs) Who the hell are you? (laughs) After the seance, Roger kicked the Warrens out, worried about his wife's mental stability. According to Andrea, the family continued to live in the house due to financial instability until they were able to move in 1980, at which point the spirits were silenced and the hauntings ceased. So the Warrens were not able to help them in real life. Roger kicked them out because he was worried his wife was going to lose her mind. And then they just stayed in the haunted house. So... Would have been a very anticlimactic ending for the movie if I, I don't know, Ron Livingston though. is just like, all right, this ain't working, get out. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, though. That would have been pretty fascinating. 
Because um, obviously, that's the true story. That's a lot more human than, like, the... Well, true in quote marks. I mean... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That'd be, that'd be an interesting movie, though. If that's how a movie ended with, like, well, we're just going to live with this, I guess. Like, nothing's working. She's going crazy. <laughs> I don't know. That's pretty scary. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but you know Hollywood doesn't work like that. You no, gotta have resolution, not. or else people not. are gonna get pissed. And I'm glad the movie is the way it is. I'm just that'd be interesting. It would be interesting. I alternate think, ending maybe. I think they're bull- I think they're full of shit personally. But you know, lately I've become more of a skeptic about this thing- stuff. Yeah, mostly yeah. to help me sleep at night. But I just <laughs> I don't know. It's the way they're talking so casually about like oh there were ghosts over there, there's ghosts over here, the bad there ghosts were in the basement. It's around. Just I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like the Warrens, the real-life Warrens, are too believing. They're too trusting. If you already believe in ghosts, you are way too quick to believe somebody's possessed by something. Okay, yeah. Like, I want to... Yeah, yeah. That's just how it works. Like, you I understand, know, yeah. If you, are, if you believe in aliens, of course that thing in the sky is a UFO. Yeah. But if you yeah, are... Yeah, 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 yeah. That's really, that's really what is really cool about horror to me, is that... Or not just horror, but uh, the, like the whole spiritual realm, whole world, like of thinking is, if you believe something deep enough and far enough, it's real to you. Yeah, and like that's that's it. That's so, the whole nature of faith, yeah. which is what this whole franchise is about. Exactly, and that's what that's what I love about horror most. Really, is like I'm so fascinated by movies like The Exorcist and The Conjuring because it's like, you know, Bathsheba. Whether you know whether it's bullshit or not is like, this mom believes that that's going on right now. She believes it enough to be like. Or whatever, you know, moving yeah. around, you know, flailing around and doing this and that, mm-hmm. and saying, speaking in different, you know, languages and whatnot. Like that's that's crazy. Yeah, if the human mind can really go there, that's really that's true. That's really wild. Maybe that's all ghosts are is just a mental switch that yeah. we experience due to our fear factor just being ratcheted up to eleven. Yeah, like maybe that's all ghosts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Did we just well, crack the code? Well, and that's that's kind of like I've, I've told you, you know, we'll talk about the exorcist, I'm sure, one day. Oh, Cla- yeah. Classic, one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. But it has a scene with Ellen Burstyn and one of the doctors, and they basically he basically says that. He's like, the human mind's capable of like woo, like believing that and like blocking everything else out. Yeah. With all you know, no logic, no reason, just this is what's right. Yeah. You know, this is this is what I'm doing. And that, you know, go, like you said, goes along with faith with any religion. You believe something deep enough if you believe in Jesus, if you're like a Christian, or you know you're this or that, you believe it deep enough, it's very real to you, and that's and there's ghosts and demons in every religion. Exactly, yeah, exactly. It's there's always the good. There's always the good and evil. Always, it's not a always. strictly Catholic concept. No, no. So, uh, it's really yeah. cool. Really cool. <laughs> I would love to do a podcast just on the history of hauntings. Oh yeah, That'd I'm be- sure you guys would love that too, right? Yeah, yeah. fucking huge film guys in there. <laughs> Okay, so that was The Conjuring. The first follow-up was 2014's Annabelle, which told the story of the possessed doll that came into the Warrens' possession in 1968. The story of the film has virtually nothing to do with the true story, and it's made up entirely for a dramatic effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no true story in this film. It was directed by John R. Leonetti and stars Annabelle Wallace, weird, and Ward Horton as Mia and John, a couple who are about to have a baby. John gifts Mia the doll to complete her creepy doll collection, which she finds oddly reassuring. Never quite got that in the movie. He's like, oh, this scary-ass doll. I finally have the whole set. Yeah, and that, <laughs> that is one of my first problems with the movie. This movie's pre- it's decent, but that the whole time, they're very... They break all of the rules of, like, you don't do that. You know, like, when you're watching a horror movie, like, what are you fucking doing? And there's there's a lot of scenes specifically with the doll and Annabelle, you know, or Annabelle Wallace, the mom. Uh, like, what... Are you serious? You're going to put it right there? <laughs> that was the my, my biggest problem with this movie was that Annabelle the doll had no reason to be haunted. Yeah, yeah. Like it yeah. just kind of was. Yeah. Like I feel like this the, this the, the, yeah. and the Annabelle first movie is definitely made like you said, you know, it has no truth, has yeah. no really serious like uh, yeah. source material, so. The follow-up Annabelle Creation was a much tighter film and I actually wish that these two had been combined to take bits and pieces and That's, make a much more solid like Annabelle movie. I like that, yeah. Anyway, uh, she has a doll. It's creepy. She loves it. That night, they are attacked by cultists, a man and a woman who stab Mia in the belly before they are shot dead Wild scene. Wild. That was freaky. That's a... That's a scary scene. And that's yeah. set up brilliantly, because you hear them talking about it on the news in the background, mm-hmm. and it, you remember it while it's happening. Like, oh, they were mentioning that. 
and it's just it's out of left field and it's brilliant. Yeah, that's probably my honestly my favorite part of them. And it's but, terrifying because that shit happens. It's very scary. Yeah. I know this. Um, I won't say too much personal info, but I've a, a family friend uh, had um, his mother was murdered by a escaped psychopath. Jeez. And uh, he yeah. I don't know how you cope with something like that. That's insane, man. That's it's real life. It's horror, frightening. Yeah. Like he had escaped from prison and <sighs> broken his house and murdered his mother while he was at a sleepover or something. It was very like unbelievable. Jeez, Louise. Yeah, it's a whole another real fear. You know, there's ghosts and then there's psychos breaking into your house. <laughs> yeah, there's like people who are yeah, 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 man. Yikes. Oof. And the cultists are supposed to be like Manson family followers. And, uh, yeah. Thankfully, the baby's fine, but the woman dies holding Annabelle, and her blood drips onto the doll. And the woman's name is Annabelle, which is a lot of layers to this. Yes, it's weird. yeah, yeah. The woman, the girl who broke into the house, her name is Annabelle. She likes the doll. She gets shot by police. Her blood seeps into Annabelle the doll, and I guess that's where the... But that doesn't make sense, because in Animal Creation, this yeah, thing's yeah, already yeah, possessed, yeah, yeah, so yeah, I don't yeah, fucking... Yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't... Yeah, this is the weakest link of this franchise, is the Annabelle connections. Yeah, I agree, yeah. Um, so, after all that, Mia gives birth to a baby, uh, Leah, which, personally... And this is just me, this has nothing to do with the movie. I feel like you should never name your kid a name that rhymes with your name. That weirds me out. That's fair. <laughs> Mia and her daughter Leah. And I don't like. It's creepy. I think Mia. When I see a pregnant woman, I see Mia. I think Mia Farrow from Rosemary's Baby. Funny you'd mention that because <laughs> I have a connector, and I don't like that. <laughs> so, so soon after all this weird, spooky shit starts happening, and Mia learns that the cultists were trying to summon a demon, and they may have succeeded. She learns from her, her priest, Father Perez, played by Tony Amendola. And the link to the Curse of La Llorona. He's the connector to that. She learns that demons sometimes attach to inanimate objects as a way to be tethered to this world while they search for a soul to steal. As the film goes on, Mia learns that the demon in the doll wants her soul and it steals her baby as leverage. Mia decides to kill herself to save her baby, but she's stopped by her friend Evelyn, played by Oscar nominee Alfre Woodard, who was nominated for 1983's Cross Creek. You may know her as uh, Mar- Mariah Dillard in the Luke Cage series on Netflix. Short-lived, but pretty good. Evelyn sacrifices herself to save Mia and the baby. Leah returns to Mia, and Annabelle the doll ends up in an antique shop where she is bought by the mother of the girl who brings it to the Warrens at the beginning of The Conjuring. So, a couple issues with this. Why just? Why not just burn it? <laughs> why pawn it? <laughs> what the f- why would you do that? When, when I, yeah, yeah, I don't like things like that in horror movies where it's like, just throw, throw, it in, throw it in the trash. It's not like the ring. You don't have to pass it on. Just yeah. throw this thing in the, you Like, know, stomp it out. Like, put it in a box. Yeah, like, throw it in the ocean. De- actually destroy it. And then if it, like, everything's broken of this doll and it comes back together, then you'll keep, you can be freaked out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Annabelle, I, I don't, yeah, yeah. There, there's 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 too many little little holes like that. I, I just don't. I'm not good. It's with. a very weird movie. It's considered the worst of the franchise, and, and, and it has a budget of like ten, like eight or ten million, which is like, come on, you just and it made it back. And it like, made a, it made a, it made a lot of money. I think yeah. I don't want to say it wrong, but I think it made like 150 or yeah. something. None yeah. of these movies have been uh, financially. Um, Unsuccessful. They've oh no, they've all chance. they've all done way better than break even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this one, yeah, they didn't spend any money. It's like you just had the Conjuring come out, and the budget invest are a, like, invest a little bit yeah. in some better actors and some better. I don't know. The budget, like for these films, are surprisingly modest. Like, yeah. for what they can yeah. do, it's actually like, you know horror, horror movies can do that. Yeah. They're like able to kind of yeah be a little bit. Well, I like that James Wan at least for the Conjuring. There's a lot of you know at least in the later films a lot of you know. Industrial lights and magic demons, mm-hmm. but in the in the first Conjuring, it's mostly just like door slamming and yeah. creepy shit, reminiscent of the haunting. Yes, yeah, so, you know what you don't see is way scarier than what you do see, mm-hmm. and I think that's the most effective thing a horror movie can do is make your imagination run wild. Yeah, yeah, I but agree. Annabelle has the, there is one scene in this movie that scares the shit out of me, and oddly enough, it's the one scene in the film directed by James Wan, and it's when Annabelle, I keep calling her Annabelle because that's her real name, Mia, is. Um, 
trying to get back to her uh, apartment, and she's in the basement, and she sees a stroller or like a carriage just kind of wander into view, and this like goat demon comes out of nowhere, yeah. like long hands and shit, and she keeps trying to get into the elevator, but the doors keep opening on the same floor, and it's it's unnerving. Yeah, frustrating too. Like, yeah. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, unnerving is the best word to think. I know that's always freaked me out. Is like animals that are like kind of. <laughs> Yeah, I have like a weird human-like aspect to it. I don't like things with long fingers. No. That's <laughs> freaky I. to me. Hello, yeah. I knew somebody who had who lived in a haunted house and had Ugh. like on his bathroom mirror a long-fingered handprint. No, oh, I don't like. Yeah, I don't. Like I would have. I'd live on the streets before I'd live in that house. No, for me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Annabelle has an IMDb score of five point four, a Rotten Tomato score of twenty nine percent. I watched it recently, and I'm going to give it a seven. It's creepy, but it's not as good as The Conjuring. No, not at all. Yeah, not even close. I give it. Yeah. Uh, I'd say six. Yeah, I gave it a six the first time I saw it, but something about that goat man just got me this yeah. time. You get bumped it up, <laughs> bumped it up a score. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> so I got a couple filmgasm facts for you on this one. Number one, the movie portrays the Annabelle doll as a porcelain doll, but the real Annabelle is a large raggedy Ann doll. The Warrens had a special case built for Annabelle inside their occult museum, where she resides to this day. But that might not be true, because I was reading an article today that Annabelle might be on tour. <laughs> I hope to God they meant the prop from the movie, because I thought somebody opened that case and is bringing Annabelle around the country. Oh, that's God. the case. A lot of places are about to get really fucking haunted. Yes, yeah, indeed. <laughs> and number two, <coughs> you're going to like this. Annabelle carries references to the cult classic Rosemary's Baby. Starring Mia Farrow as Rosemary and John Cassavetes as Guy, a young couple moving into a new building. The lead characters in Annabelle are Mia and John. Named after the actors from Rosemary's Baby. They named their, newbo- nor- their newborn daughter Leah. This is the name of one of the neighbors Rosemary and Guy meet in their new building. Hmm. Both films also incorporate a dramatic scene involving an elevator. Annabelle is set in 1969. Rosemary's Baby in 1966. In 1969, actress Sharon Tate was murdered by the Manson family. We covered that in the Polanski podcast. Mm -hmm. She was eight months pregnant at the time. Sharon Tate was married to director Roman Polanski, who made Rosemary's Baby. So, this was heavily influenced by Rosemary's Baby. Indeed. And you could... I I didn't even catch the Mia and John thing until the movie was over, and I could... My mind was blown. I... I, Mia, that's always been so... Anytime I really hear the name Mia, so it just kind of... Yeah, uh, it just straight the movie has that powerful kind of. While I was looking at character specifically, yeah. while I was looking at music for this movie, I accidentally got linked over to the lullaby music from Rosemary's la, Baby, la, 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 la. and fucking chills like my hair stood up. I was like, I had to click out the window because I was too freaked out. That, mu- that music got to me, man. Ooh, creepy movie in a nice still room. Yeah, oh, oh, it's man. just it sounds so haunting. It's pretty bad. Yeah. Ugh. Next up was 2016's The Conjuring 2. Oh, yeah. With director James Wan returning alongside Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga as the Warrens. This film was adapted from the real-life case of the Enfield Poltergeist, in which the Hodgson family in Enfield, England, experienced paranormal activity in their flat. The film opens with the Warrens investigating the Amityville haunting in 1977. It's here that Lorraine Warren first encounters the demonic nun that recurs throughout the film. And it was so cool to incorporate Amityville into this movie because there's oh, no way sure. you could do their own movie because the Amityville has a franchise. Mm-hmm. So they didn't want to copy that, but it's a crucial part of the Warren mythology. Oh, yeah. And it was brilliant the way they did it in this movie. The second you saw those windows, you knew exactly she's, in, she's in Annabelle. Yeah, what, I mean, she's in Amityville on? right now. Re- really cool, too, because you, that, like you said, it's a huge part of their their story, the Warrens, that's mm-hmm. a huge part of what, what who they are. Yeah. And so you kind of need to see that to know the characters. Uh, you kind of need to see them reference that, I guess, and kind of yeah. mention how that's a big part of them as a couple, a big part of their marriage and their practice. Yeah. So really, really cool part. Yeah. yeah, The couple that exercises together stays together. <laughs> <laughs> Goals. <laughs> so in Enfield, Janet Hodgson... The second oldest child becomes seemingly possessed Biscuits. By, <laughs> by, by the ghost of Bill Wilkins, the old man who died in the house. The Warrens don't believe them at first, but soon learn that Wilkins, the ghost, is only a pawn being manipulated by that dark nun that Lorraine keeps singing, seeing around the place. Lorraine has a vision of Ed's death, and hears the demon say its name. This is important, because the only way to banish a demon is to, is to say its name out loud, which seems like a design flaw. 
for demons. The Warrens help the Hodgson family. Yeah, who the fuck do you think you are, Voldemort? Come yeah. on. <laughs> the, the Warrens help the Hodgson family by speaking the demon's name, Valak, aloud, and sending it back to hell. Conjuring 2 has an IMDb score of 7.4, Rotten Tomatoes score of 80%, and I give it an 8, just as creepy as the first film. Yeah, I give this one an 8. It's a little less uh, quality for me as the first one, but I still love it. Love it. Yeah. There's one scene in this movie that I honestly have trouble watching because it's okay, so goddamn terrifying. Let's hear, it. let's hear it. And it's the Crooked Man. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, I was just about to mention that. I was just about to bring that up. Holy shit. Did you know that wasn't CGI? That's a guy. That's an oh. actor who plays like misshapen freaks. He played Mama in Mama. Oh, okay, okay, okay. He's a, a Guillermo del Toro uses him a lot. Oh, but, man. Yeah. He's like a weirdly tall, misshapen dude who plays thin, freaky ghosts. Oh, God, I don't like that. As a real person. Oh, shit. And he's next up to get his own movie. They're making a Crooked Man movie that has yet to be uh, put on the release slate. Oh, that's been geez. in the works for a while. And that's going to be scary Frightening. Fuck. Frightening. Ooh, just the whole nursery rhyme thing. Ugh. It's like, ugh. God. Uh, <laughs> some film guys and facts on The Conjuring 2. The real-life events in Enfield became the longest recorded paranormal case of poltergeist activity in history. Enfield is actually the most documented haunting in history. Insane, There's man. so much footage and audio and pictures of this supposed haunting. So much so that it's hard to disprove. Yes, yeah. That's what's most interesting about this 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 film is... Is how ah, this can kind of convince you to be like, oh shit, you know? Yeah. There's not a lot of loopholes here. This is kind of all, it's all documented. It's all here if you research. Like, it. one thing I read that proved to me that there's there's got to be something <clears throat> to this one of the policemen who investigated this, who oh. had no reason to lie, like, speaking about ghosts would discredit his career, said <clears throat> on record that he does not understand what's going on in that house and that something is in there. Yeah. That. Is big for me. Like a very, it's a very normal, average, like blue collar guy just saying, like, all right, something's different in there, man. Yeah. <laughs> Something ain't right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I guess he would have been British, so yeah. He <laughs> wouldn't sound like a Texan, sorry. He's <laughs> a bit of a kerfuffle in here. So, that was terrible. I'm sorry. <laughs> don't, don't be daft. Oh, God. Don't be daft, Steve. <laughs> I have a friend in England. She's going to hate this. All right. Number two. A cinema about to have a showing of The Conjuring 2 had a poster that said, quote, Warning. The film you are about to see is psychologically and emotionally disturbing. Oh, People man. who have attended early screenings of the film have complained about many unusual circumstances they have experienced after seeing the film. And to support that theory, added on the poster was, quote, Due to our concern for your well-being, we have invited Father Perez to be here. He will be available after the film to provide spiritual support and or conduct a personal blessing should you feel the need. Please do not hesitate to seek help. Ask a representative where you can sign up for a session with our priest. <laughs> and Father Perez is the priest from Annabelle. Oh, man. So that's good marketing, reminiscent of what Wes Craven did yes. when Last House of the Left came out. Nice. You know, just yeah. repeat to yourself, it's only a movie. Yeah. That's going to freak people out if you're not, you know, casual. I mean, if you're not, you know, hardcore horror fans like us. We get it. <laughs> Still freaked us out. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. But I'm not going to go... You know, have a priest bless me after seeing this. No, no, this is a, it's a movie, man. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, I would have to do that after a lot of movies. Yeah, <laughs> if that were the case. So, the Enfield haunting was also a supposedly true story, and here's the gist from the same article that wrote about the Perrin family. In August of 1977, the Hodgson family started seeing and hearing strange things. Janet, who was 11 at the time recalled sitting up in bed to see her dresser slide across the room that she shared with her brother. We shouted, Mum, Mum, said Janet. We were sort of frightened, but also intrigued. Yeah. If I was 11 and I saw my piece of furniture fly across the room, That's I'm not awesome. intrigued at all. That's awesome. I'm switching rooms. Yeah, or, or just screaming. Yeah. I'm 11. I'm fucking frightened. I yeah. probably again. This is yeah. some of this documentation's like that's not how fucking kids talk. <laughs> that's what bu that's what bugs me. Where the kids are like, yeah, I saw a furniture fly it's across like, the room. And I was like, yeah, huh. yeah. Like at that know. age, I'm in shock. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't even know how to process yeah. it. Yeah. If I did have that happen, I wouldn't remember it because I would block that shit out. You'd be like, no, no, yeah, no. <laughs> that's normal. These things happen. <laughs> so later, the family began to hear knocking coming from all sorts of places in the house. She remembers her mom thinking there were burglars or drifters hiding out in their home and calling the police to investigate. The officer who arrived reported witnessing a chair rise up and move across the floor on its own. 
Reporters from the Daily Mirror, who were also called in to report on the Enfield haunting, experienced this for themselves, too. Legos and marbles were reported flying around the room, hot to the touch when picked up. Ow, man. Imagine just getting hit by a marble, like, in the middle. Hot Lego. Bah! Jesus. Something about a hot Lego makes it even... Ugh. Hot Lego. What? That's a hot. weird detail. Like, makes me think, huh? Really hot Legos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, does it, like, does it, like, brand you because they're, like, hot? It's plat. You know, it's, like, little plat. Oh, my God. I don't know. Clothing <laughs> folded on tabletops would leap off and fly across the room. The sound of dogs barking would be heard in empty rooms. That's weird. Lights would flicker, coins would drop out of thin air, and furniture would spin or tip over without being What's touched. What's wrong with coins dropping out of thin air? Is that what that said? Yeah. I'll take that. I mean, coin. I'll take coins. You want the ghost is giving you free money? Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> You're blessing me. I'm blessed. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, jeez. Whenever I picture a poltergeist, I always think they're probably a lot less scary if you can see them. Because then you just see some asshole, like, you know, throwing shit around the room, knocking Lego, the books off Lego. himself, like putting a Lego in the fire and just kind of like, you know, skipping it across the room. Well, then you could like definitely name it and be like, ah, oh, God, Mom, he's, you know, fucking throwing marbles again, you know. I just picture the family like visibly seeing him, looking at him like, does he know we're there? Does he know we can see him? It's kind of <laughs> like Stewie and Family Guy. He's kind of, you know, the whole like talking thing. You and know. Poltergeists are assholes. Say it yeah. now. It's also an interesting ride at uh, Fiesta, Texas, here in San Antonio. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been there, but... Yeah. Not gonna lie, when I said poltergeists are assholes, I half expected something in this room to fall over. <laughs> and I'm very glad There's a lot of things in here, too, that could fall. <laughs> Connor has a lot of, a lot of stuff. Yeah, I was of, worried for a second A lot of movies, a lot of things that could fall over. <laughs> You'll hear it if it happens. Yeah. <laughs> We're not gonna just drop something on the floor. Paranormal activity? <laughs> Ugh. So... One day, the iron fireplace in an upstairs bedroom was ripped out of the wall. After that, paranormal investigators from all around the world showed up, claiming to be able to contact spirits and wanting to know more about the Enfield haunting. I love that. Claiming to be able to contact spirits. A bunch of people are just like, yeah, I can talk to them. <laughs> They're like, like, well, and think about during this time, you can't, like, you're not texting or calling. You're, like, <laughs> sending a, you know, like... Hey, I know how to talk to spirits. Like, so I'm just supposed to trust that. Yeah. Like Every time the doorbell rings, you answer it, and it's another weirdo. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm ready. Uh, I'm here. Yeah, I, I, I know how to talk to these guys. Yeah. I wonder how many of them. Like, like what's the documentation for that? Like, what's the know. yeah? But I, I wonder how many of them like just opened the door, and they were like, "Oh, hold on, whoa, oh my god, I can feel something." Every single time. I bet the Warrens were, like, the first people who didn't treat them like idiots. Yeah, they were like, they're like uh, I don't know about... Yeah, we could, there's always... Because the Warrens always say, uh, there's always an explanation, usually, for... Yeah, you know, for that's the first thing they try to do is debunk it. Yeah. That's what I love about the Warrens. The very first thing they try to do is prove it's not a haunting. So they can go home. Man. Yeah, like, so they the can go home. Just get the fuck out of here, dude. I love that. So, they wanted to know more about the infield haunting. Most of them decided that the children had been faking their experiences as one of them had admitted to doing so on one occasion. But the Warrens were different. They showed up and immediately... God damn it. They showed up and immediately believed that a demonic presence was present. Well, dis- discredit everything I just said. Yeah, we both just kind of, yeah, pointed out <laughs> about the, the Warrens. However, their claims were over... They felt it so strongly. Yeah. <laughs> they were the weirdos who showed up. God damn it. However, their claims were overlooked, as a noted skeptic at the time accused Ed Warren of exaggerating and even making up incidents often transforming a haunting into one case of demonic possession. This is where the story differs from the movie, as there were no exorcism-like practices from the Warrens. In 1979, two years after they began, the hauntings abruptly stopped, though the family maintains they did nothing to stop them. I don't know, this might have been a publicity stunt. I mean, the kids... You know, the kid was talented with making voices. I mean, she didn't know things about this Bill guy, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah. Bill Wilkins, yeah. I don't know. we'll, We'll never know. No, that's part of the fun. It's, yeah. why, it's part of why it gets to be made into a movie, is that it's, we have no idea. We don't. It's up to your imagination. Yeah. Next up was 2017's Annabelle Creation, a prequel to Annabelle that told the story of where the doll came from and how it truly became an instrument for evil. The film is directed by David F. Sandberg and stars Anthony LaPaglia, Miranda Otto, and Talitha Bateman. It takes place in 1955 when a nun and six orphan girls are given shelter by a former doll maker who lost his daughter Annabelle in an accident some years prior. 
One of the girls, Janice, finds a key to Annabelle's closet, where she finds a porcelain doll locked away in a small room surrounded by pages of the Bible, which would scare the living shit out of me if I opened a door and there's a doll sitting in a room surrounded by Bible pages. What happened in there? I'm not investigating further. The very <laughs> next thing I'm doing is locking that door. I'm leaving. I'm gonna put leaving up some plywood. Like I'm no. I'm never going in that room again. Yeah, that is a frightening image. Oh, one of the fr- most one of the scariest images I've seen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ugh, I hate that. Big old red flag ignored completely by everybody in this movie. The way it's, the doll is just sitting up, you know, like in the, yeah. Oh, what the hell? And that yeah, like covered. The room is covered in these these pages. Yeah. Opening the door unleashes a powerful demon That was locked away in the closet with the doll The demon takes the form of the doll maker's daughter And begins to pursue Janice's soul Yes She's eventually successful in possessing her And the now possessed Janice begins to call herself Annabelle And is eventually adopted by a loving family This new Annabelle Later joins a cult And kills her adoptive parents And are seen by Mia and John from the first Annabelle Whom they attack next So Annabelle who attacked Mia and John Is the Janice, who was possessed by the doll in this movie. Yes. It was a cool little way to connect those movies. Annabelle Creation has an IMDb score of 6.5. A Rotten Tomatoes score of 70%. I give it an 8. Very spooky. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd say 7 for myself. But yeah, I like it. This one's also not based on true events. This was pure dramatic effect. Hollywood fun. Yeah. And it worked. I thought it was way better than the first Annabelle. I agree. Super creepy. Answered a lot of questions. And we're we're left with that 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 image of uh, Annabelle with the Bible pages. Oh yeah, in room. very frightening. <laughs> classic, classic for a horror. If you ever find a secret room in your house that the realtor didn't tell you about, that's already creepy. If you find a secret room that has a doll surrounded by Bible pages, that's clearly been in there for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. Maybe think about trying to get your money back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, cancel the lease if yeah. you you know do whatever you have to. Get I out of consider there. burning it down for the insurance money. <laughs> Anything but living there. <laughs> yeah, but, well, yeah, burn, burn the house down and blame it on the fucking doll that was surrounded by Bible pages. That'll work. <laughs> yeah, because that'll be the only thing still standing yeah. when, the, when the house is gone. Yeah. Uh, Jeez. I only have one film guys, in fact, for this movie, but this I thought was very uh, concerning. Let's hear it. The f- Annabelle Creation was associated with a controversial short horror movie contest in which Warner Brothers would legally own the contest winner's idea for three years and have the option to develop a full-feature film out of it, while only being obligated to compensate the contestant with $100 U.S. and a chance to meet the director, David F. Sandberg, if available. That's a shitty contest. If available. <laughs> I don't even know who he is. Like, Why the fuck would I want to meet David F. Sandberg? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Just, I mean, I, I, it would be cool to meet him like in passing, but I'm not going to go out of my way to... Yeah. If available. $100 US for a movie idea that could potentially get Warner Brothers millions. I don't like that at all. That's sketchy. Yeah, what? Fuck, where, where'd you find that? It's IMDb trivia. That's where really? all this comes from. Really? Yep. What the hell? That's so <laughs> weird. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what won the contest, but I bet they got $100 and David F. Sandberg was not available. Yeah, yeah. He's probably like, oh, this is one of those times I'm not available. Yeah. You read the flyer, right? Yeah. Ugh. Fucking cheese. Next up was 2018's The Nun, a spinoff featuring Valak, the demon nun. The film takes place in 1952 and stars Oscar nominee Demian Bashir and Taisa Farmiga, younger sister of Vera Farmiga, who plays Lorraine Warren, though the two characters aren't connected in any way. Is it is it do- is it sister or daughter? I didn't know. Younger I, sister. I yeah. I thought it was daughter too. I did a little bit more and research. Yeah, they're, I think they're like almost the exact same amount of uh, years apart as. Um, like it lines up within, which is really interesting. Like yeah. even though there's not like a serious connection yet, maybe there will be. Well, maybe, well, maybe you'll touch the nun on that, was yeah. successful, and they it do was, have yeah. a sequel lined up. Yes, yeah. Can't okay. get rid of fucking Valak. <laughs> no, uh, I'm okay with it. Yeah. So Demian Bashir was nominated for his role in 2011's A Better Life. He, uh, you may also know him from The Hateful Eight. He Classic. Played, uh, Bob the Mexican. Classic. And uh, yeah, I like him a lot. He's a great actor. He's a great part in Weeds. If you ever saw that show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, wow. I forgot about that. I forgot about Weeds altogether, to be honest. You know, I remember reading that Vince Gilligan... Except for Kevin Nealon. Yeah. When Vince Gilligan was um, writing the pilot script for Breaking Bad, he had no idea about Weeds. And he said that if he did know about that, he would have scrapped it and moved on to something else. 
because the, the, the ideas were too, a little similar. You imagine that? God. Fuck. If somebody had told Vince Gilligan about weeds, we never would have gotten Breaking Bad. Thank <laughs> the Lord. Crazy. Oh my gosh. That would have been... Yeah, that's hard to think about. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> Thank God. Anyway. Bashir and Farmiga play Father Burke and Sister Irene, who are sent by the Vatican to investigate the mysterious death of a nun in a Romanian convent. Once there, Burke and Irene are drawn into a web of shadows by Valak, a demon who has taken on the guise of a nun and is trying to possess a human body, which seems to be everybody's goal in this franchise. Mm-hmm. Just realizing that. Irene stops Valak by dousing it in the literal blood of Christ, a spiritual reliquary that the convent had on hand, in case the demon came a calling. I wonder, did the movie explain why they just had the blood of Christ? Mm, I don't know. I don't think so. It would have been a nice story. Seems like that's something should be should talked be known, about. Yeah, should be public knowledge. Yeah, and that it's powerful enough to kill demons. <laughs> a lot of unanswered questions there. Though it seems Valak is gone, it has quietly possessed their friend Frenchie, played by Jonas Bloke, who was later exorcised by the Warrens. Frenchie touches Lorraine, passing the cursed nun into her which causes the events of The Conjuring 2. Yes. And creates her connection with Valak. The film has an IMDb score of 5.4 and a Rotten Tomatoes score of 26%. It was not very well received by critics. Not at all, no. I think it weren't very fair, personally. I thought this was really creepy. I gave it an 8. Uh, yeah, I, I I disagree completely with that. With like the, okay. The, the, no, not with you. Not oh, with you. Not, no, no. Ah, damn. I, I, give it, I give it like a 6 or a 7. Probably six, fair enough. Yeah, probably, yeah. But no, I mean, 26% is like, come on. That's... That's that's for that, like that's like surprisingly that's for like shitty like yeah. that really low budget slasher horror like not not this yeah I I, I disagree there were some that. moments in this that were downright horrifying yeah we, and we were both working at the theater together when this came yeah. out and I remember yeah. I remember being like I don't know I don't know kind of freaked out at times even before I even saw it when I was able to sit down and finally see it I I thought Taysa Farmiga was really good. Me too. I, thought there was I do good... think they missed an opportunity to make her like you know Lorraine Warren's like grandmother or something. I agree. I thought that's what that's. I thought that's where we were going uh, heading into the movie. But. Yeah, and whatever you know. Fair enough. There, there might be something there along the way. We'll see. One day. Uh, this was also not based on a true story. In case that needed to be told, there is no <laughs> literal blood of Christ that can destroy demons. That would yeah, that be yeah. in the news. Um, one film guys, in fact, for this, an, an advertisement for the film was pulled from the video sharing site YouTube, as many users complained that the five-second clip featuring a startling jump scare was too scary. Administrators thus removed the ad and apologized, claiming that it was not their intention to publish content that may potentially offend or shock viewers. I remember this ad, because you'd be watching a YouTube video, and all of a sudden, in the middle of the video, freaking Valak would pop out of nowhere, and you'd be in the middle of a trailer for The Nun. Yes. And I can understand that scaring the shit out of a grandma looking for knitting, like, you know, lecture, like, you know, meatloaf recipes and shit. You know? <laughs> I, I can totally Whatever get they, they do. Yeah, yeah. whatever. Old ladies what do. do grandmas do? <laughs> I don't, I don't they know. knit and they make meatloaf. And they're <laughs> creepy in movies. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, that was stupid of YouTube. They shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Agreed, yeah. The most recent film in the franchise, 2019's The Curse of La Llorona, is based on a Mexican legend about the weeping woman, the ghost of a scorned woman who drowned her children in a river. In the film, it latches onto a mother and tries to steal her children away. It stars Linda Cardellini, Raymond Cruz, and Patricia Velasquez, and I regret to say that I have not seen this one yet. Neither have I. I haven't seen it yet either. I'll get to it at some point. It came and went in theaters, and it doesn't come out on DVD till August. But I promise there will be a rewind because I will watch this as soon as I can. Okay, same. It has an IMDb score of 5.6 and a Rotten Tomatoes score of 30%, so it's not getting great reviews. But, you know, I mean, it seems like other than The Conjuring, like, mainstays, none of these films get really good reviews. No. Yeah. No, they... they Everyone's not. really harsh on these. They've, made, they've all made money. They've all done well financially. And, you know, that's they're all laughing at the bank, so they don't really care. But Yeah, I mean, they're... All wildly successful, except yeah. for I think La Llorona wasn't. It at, didn't do like that do great. Good. I think it made money, but not I think it yet. made its budget back, but it wasn't a blockbuster. Yeah, yeah, not like all the others. And this week's newest film, Annabelle Comes Home, excited sees the Warrens' dangerous room of possessed items get tampered with, with Annabelle leading a host of demonic entities to freedom and revenge against the Warrens by going after their daughter. Also not based on true events. Oh, of course not. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you imagine? But, but this is this this could be. I think it's going to be really good or really bad. I, that's, well, that's... so far it's getting like it's got a positive tomato score. <clears throat> so far, yeah, that's a good sign. 
It yeah. looks fantastic, I think, and it's getting decent reviews. I I can't wait to talk about it next week on the rewind because I am seeing that this weekend. I'm I, I might not, I might be able to get. I'm behind. I have a child <laughs> now, and it's hard to. I haven't even seen Toy Story yet, so. <laughs> no, nope, yeah, I'm behind on stuff. Yeah, I get it. I'll let you know, but it. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to this. Got and that's my, the reason you know we want to do the. Uh, got my Funko Pop of Annabelle hell right yeah. here, bringing these uh, these so-called spirits. I mean, just the idea of like. Everything the Warrens have ever stopped getting out. Oh my god! Terrifying. Yeah, it like, could be like a, a team of all stars of, yeah. as far as horror. Like I know the music box from the con- from the first Conjuring. I saw that in the preview. Yes, that might yes. pop up. The Enfield Crooked Man thing might pop out. I'm you never sure know. It will. I'm sure it will. It's gonna be freaky. It's gonna be like the fucking Avengers for yeah. most movies. Yeah, yeah. So it could be. It could be like a huge, like frightening, like battle between yeah. like. And James Wan is heavily involved. Yes, which is good. Which is big. Yeah. And the Warrens are gonna be in it. So it is basically the Conjuring Three. It's basically yeah. what this is. I, I, yeah. Yeah, they're just calling it something else. I Although think. the real Conjuring 3 is set for release next year, and it's going to be about a guy who claims he was haunted by a werewolf. And that's based on a true story. Interesting. So, very intrigued about that. Okay. okay. And that's all for The Conjuring, but in the meantime, let's take a look at what's been happening in film lately with This Week in Film. Nice. Marvel has announced that Avengers Endgame will be re-released this weekend with additional footage and a post credit scene. This is obviously an effort to push Endgame just over the mark, so it finally dethrones Avatar as the highest-grossing movie of all time. And I say, do what you will. I'm going to go see it again, for sure. Yeah, why not? Yeah, I agree. It's <clears throat> deserved every, you know, like, uh, you know, all the acclaim it's gotten, and yeah, why not? Why not make more money, in my yeah. opinion? Like, and if you're going to add more stuff to it, that's really cool. You know, I and they just need that. like a drop. They need like what forty, fifty million dollars, which is nothing. That's yeah. a that's a day that's in a Marvel city. money. That's a city. Yeah, yeah. going to the fucking theater. Yeah, they'll be Avatar's fine. time is is over. James Cameron is no longer on top. Marvel's taking this shit home. Yeah, which which would excite me because uh, James Cameron's not really my guy. So no, he's kind of a dick, but he's he makes good Terminator movies. Yeah, thank you. I, yeah, I'm just not. I don't like him. I don't either. I think he's pretentious, <laughs> and, and I fucking hate Avatar. <laughs> I don't like it at all. I don't get it. I think it's fucking Pocahontas. It man. is. <laughs> it's you know white guilt in space. Yeah. Like, I don't need it. Uh, yeah, I don't like it. It doesn't even look that great anymore. Like it hasn't aged well, which is amazing. No, and no one is good in it. No, there's huh. not one performance where you're like, ah, oh, that was nice. Like, no, that was, it was. No one was good. And it's fucking on TNT every other weekend, so. You know, you can... I don't know. Whatever. That's where it deserves to be. I don't want four sequels in a theme park. Does anybody <laughs> fucking care anymore? Avatar 2 is going to bomb, and it's going to hurt James Cameron's feelings. I, I Good. I, <laughs> I want that to happen. I want honestly. a blow to that guy's ego. I'll never forget walking out of the theater and just... like I was just fooled. I was fucking 14, and I was like, I was sick. <laughs> I, a week later, I was like, wait a minute. That was... I hate the post-film high. Because you yeah. convince yourself it was great, but then on the ride home you start thinking about it. I try to, I try to not say anything, especially like to friends or to you know yeah. anyone who asks. I try to like give it the night and like wake up the next day and be like, how do I really feel about what yeah. I, you know? It, yeah. Because at the end of the day, it was a movie. It yeah. was a movie, and I don't want to like over. Because when, when I saw The Dark Knight Rises, I'll never forget this. I like called a couple of buddies. That is the best movie ever, and it's like, okay, calm down. It's good. It's really good. But, <laughs> calm, calm the fuck down. <laughs> And I, I do that a lot. I'm a big, I'm, a, you know, I'm one of those people who definitely goes on movie highs, and I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> that was the best thing ever. So, oh, well, yeah. I said in last week's podcast that when I saw Dark Phoenix, I spent the entire movie trying to convince myself that this was good. Yeah, like, oh, it's awesome. And man. I kept thinking, like, oh, those are cool effects. Oh wow, F- Fastbender's Magneto is really acting here, yeah. even though he doesn't really have anything to do in this movie. And oh, that was cool. And then by the end, I was Sansa, like, "Sansa, uh, I can't fucking do this anymore. I'm gonna get a nosebleed." And it was just, yeah, fucking awful. Uh, uh, I will uh, never forgive Fox for fucking this popcorn up. Uh, twice. They fucked up the Phoenix Saga twice. Yeah, Jesus, guys. It's, uh, it's like when a kid lies and they keep adding to that lie, and adding to that lie <laughs> until it becomes too big, and then it's just really like, "Oh, now you're fucked." <laughs> yeah, it's like that. That's what that's what they've done with that yeah. that whole world it's fucking well, frustrating marvel owns it now and we will get good x-men movies in like five I, ten years i think so i agree no rush yeah so that Cycle. was cycles yeah. yeah end game's coming back blumhouse 
has announced a seventh Paranormal Activity film is in the works. Woo! We all knew this franchise would never stay dead for long. No, I expect there to be 20, honestly. I really yeah. do. I expect it to just never stop. Why not? Only the first two are good, frankly, and I don't really want this movie to happen. <laughs> no, I'm... I, yeah, I'm, I'm... I'm pretty neutral. I think they're fun. They're dumb. They're, I think they're stupid, but they're I'm fun. I'm tired of, like... Half of the film is just watching Dad get his new camera... Yeah, yeah. And it's then, very yeah. redundant. Very redundant. I'm tired of it, really. It really, and really, if they were like 40 minutes long, I think they'd be great. Yes. You know, like yes. they're really short and like almost played into the humor a little bit more. Yeah. They'd be great. They take it way too seriously. Because they, they do make me laugh. Like, <laughs> I, that's really, that's, I guess, kind of a defense mechanism and sometimes in the case of horror movies, but not in the, the paranormal. They're, they're so bad. Like, I spent, like you said, the first two are, are fine. I guess they're passive. Well, the first two are just, you know, haunted, haunted house. Yeah. That's it. But then three starts Weird shit going like on. Yeah. witchcraft and covens and demonic deals and like time travel and shit. Like it makes no sense. Wild. It's yeah. too much. Donnie Darko to the extreme. It's yeah. inc- there's a fucking portal through like the fridge. Of, and ugh, I don't fucking. Ridiculous. Yeah, I got really tired of that franchise fast. I saw all of them though with the movies. So, you know, I'm a hypocrite. It was, you know, it replaced Saw as the Halloween horror film for many years. Yeah. yeah. Next up. Jill Soloway, creator of Transparent, will be uh, replacing piece of shit Brian Singer as director of the long-gestating Red Sonja movie. Singer is accused of multiple cases of sexual assault of underage boys, and it does not look good. Singer was also removed from Bohemian Rhapsody, for which Dexter Fletcher finished uh, directing on that. He later did Rocket Man, so I'm thinking he was the real brains behind that movie. And yeah, mm-hmm. I used to love Brian Singer. He was one of my favorite directors. Thought he did wonders with the X Men movies. I loved Usual Suspects. Of course. And then yeah. I found out about this, and it's just it chills me. Like he's such a monster. Yeah, him it's really Ke- frustrating. Yeah. And him and Kevin Spacey worked together a lot, and I bet they worked together off screen too. Yeah, sons of bitches. Yeah, really sad. Jill yeah. Soloway though. Love Transparent. Love Jill Soloway. She's amazing. True, but I don't really give a shit about Red Sonja, if I'm being honest. No, not necessarily, <laughs> but I'll, I, I, I like her a lot, so I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll do what I can and check it out. Ugh. Next up, the cast for CBS All Access's remake of The Stand is starting to be announced, with X-Men and Westworld actor James Marsden eyeing the role of Stu Redman, who was played by Gary Sinise in the 1994 miniseries. Whoopi Goldberg, Amber Heard, and Greg Kinnear are all in heavy consideration, and I must say, I'm not digging those names. <laughs> not, not for me either. Not, I, 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 I like things about them individually, but yeah, as like a... Like I don't, a, to be honest. I love Greg like, Kinnear. I, I like Greg Kinnear, but I don't see who he would play in this. Yeah, he might make a decent like Randall Flagg, but I don't think that's who he's playing. Mm-hmm. And I really don't like Amber Heard. Like, at all. <sighs> she's gorgeous. She's so gorgeous, she, so but she she's is. a gold-digging, no-talent kind of liar. frustrating. And I'm yeah. tired of her. I want her gone. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to think of what movie I like her in. I'm like, eh, I don't really think I like her in anything. I like movies that she's in. I don't like any movie because of her. Oh, I really like The Rum Diaries. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess you're right. <clears throat> and then who's the other one you said? Uh, Whoopi Goldberg <laughs> is going to play Whoopi. Mother Abigail. Whoopi's fun. Yeah, She's but... fun. She's whatever, I guess. I'm neutral. <laughs> I feel like they're not taking this as seriously as I want them to take it. No, not at all. This is The Stand. This is Stephen King's magnum opus. This is his big, you know... Good versus evil epic. I want, you know, I want some attention. To I want this. some actors. Yeah, I want Andy Muschietti or Frank Darabont. I want one of those. Guys, and uh, Mike Flanagan, somebody who's with Hell proven yeah. King Street cred to do this. Yeah, but nope, miniseries. Because CBS owns the TV rights to this. That's how it works. Disgusting. Next up. Straight out of Compton's Aldous Hodge has joined the cast of Blumhouse's The Invisible Man, a remake of the Universal Classic Horror movie. He joins Elizabeth Moss, Storm Reed, and Harriet Dyer. No word yet on characters. Mm-hmm. But I think Blumhouse getting the rights to these movies is brilliant. Universal fucked up their uh, dark universe on the easiest movie. The Mummy was a massive disaster. Yeah. And I'm, I think doing this as individual films is a smart way to go. Agreed. Especially yeah. with Blumhouse behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What, who else do you want? They're going to be able to give you exactly what you need, what you want. Yeah. That's all they want. <laughs> and that's all for this week in film. Try to do the most interesting things. There's been other things, you know, actors I don't care about, cast in movies I don't care about. This is stuff this is I Linda Cardellini's about. birthday today, you know. <laughs> oh, there's, there's all kinds of nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
and we hope you got properly freaked out with this one. I love these movies. Hell yeah, me too. And I'm glad Austin was here to help me get through them. Next week sees the release of Midsummer, the sophomore, sophomore effort from horror newcomer Ari Aster. So I'm going to discuss his debut film, 2018's Hereditary, arguably one of the scariest films I've ever seen. Fuck yeah. yeah. Equal parts ghost story and family drama, Hereditary achieved great critical acclaim thanks to Oscar nominee Tony Collette's committed performance, and it scared the shit out of audiences everywhere. More on that next Wednesday. Hell yeah. I want to thank Austin for helping me with this one. If you want to reach out to us, check out our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and email. We're open to criticism, praise, suggestions, whatever you want. We welcome any and all yeah, feedback. Yeah, seriously, yeah, anything. Ed and Lorraine Warren were fascinating people, even if they were scam artists. Ed died in 2006 of a stroke, while Lorraine died just this past April. Her cause of death hasn't been announced, but she was 92, so I'm guessing natural causes. Regardless of their intentions, they helped create one of the most frightening and versatile horror franchises alive today, and helped give people peace of mind, regardless of whether or not it was true. And there's still some part of me that wonders if maybe they saw something in the world that the rest of us can't. And if that's the case, I certainly hope there's somebody guarding that room in their museum that's full of allegedly possessed shit, including Annabelle the doll and a certain music box. 